everybody. So as Mark said, my name is Jacob Luera. Uh, I am the college young adult pastor here at the City Church. Uh, so a little bit about me. Uh, I grew up in the big city of Abernathy, Texas. If you go just north on the interstate, if you've ever gone out to Amarillo, you might have seen the DQ sign kind of out to the left. That's that's basically Abernathy, man. That, that's all we have is just a DQ sign. I'm pretty sure that they're still open today because I funded them for the first 18 years of my life. Um, so I'm still waiting on that sponsorship, DQ shout out. Um, so yeah, it's a, man, it's such an honor and privilege to be here. I've been in full-time ministry for about four years now, uh, two years, about a year and a half actually. It'll be two years here at the City Church in December. So man, I'm super thankful, super excited. Again, it's such an honor to be here with y'all today. Uh, I'm thankful for our leadership team and just the opportunity that they've given me today uh, to share with y'all. So I wouldn't be here without them. I mean, they hired me, so I, I literally wouldn't be here. Um, so thankful for them. But if you've been walking with us through the series uh, of Colossians, we've kind of given it the title uh, Supreme. So the theme that we've been going through is Christ Supreme is the theme. So to kind of recap us, walk us through what we've been going through, if you haven't been with us, um, in Colossians 1, Paul is kind of redirecting the eyes of the Colossian church. You see, he's writing this letter in prison. So he's writing to these Colossians because he's hearing about things that others are saying, trying to lead them astray, trying to lead them saying, hey, okay, you got to do these things to be right with Jesus, or you have to have this experience to know Jesus or have this certain knowledge to know Jesus. And Paul is hearing about this from a gentleman by the name of Epaphras, who is a disciple. Um, and he's sharing this with Paul and Paul's saying, no, that, that's not the way. Actually, it's about Jesus and it's only about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. So if you look in the Bible from cover to cover, it all points back to Jesus. So Paul is working like a, like a mechanic, as Clayton has shared before. He's realigning things, bringing their attention back to Christ. Uh, from the get-go, he's saying, man, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So from there, he goes on, he encourages them. After he realigns them and he encourages them, he says, man, be rooted in Christ. Let your roots grow deep in Jesus. And from there in chapter three, as your roots grow deep, he says, man, you, you begin to grow a new nature, right? You, you begin to desire these things. You begin to care for these things. But now that you've grown your roots deep, the Holy Spirit is working inside of you. He's giving you new desires. You see, so it used to be this way, but now you desire this. It's not because you are trying not to do that and you're trying to do this, but man, there's a work being done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's a word that Clayton used is it's the word sanctification. So that word just simply means that we, Christ is making us look more and more like himself. Okay, he's just taking what we used to desire and he's giving us new desires. So praise God for that. So as he's sharing that with them, he's like, man, you have this new desire, you have this new life in Jesus. Now he goes on to talk about gospel-centered marriages, you know, talking to husbands and wives, how to serve one another and love one another as Christ has called us to do. And then from there, he goes on and shares, man, so lead out a gospel-centered family. He's talking to children. He's saying, man, children, obey your mother and father because that pleases the Lord. So... Clayton challenged us last week, actually. So he said, as gospel-centered families, if you're a gospel-centered family, you're focused on the mission. So we're called to be focused on the gospel-centered mission, the mission of Jesus, the mission that he called the disciples to share in. So that is what, call, what Paul is, is encouraging the church to do here. And this is a huge responsibility, right? I mean, this is one of the last things that Jesus commanded the disciples to do in, the, in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, right? Before he ascended into heaven, he said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them 
all that I have commanded you to do. And, he, and then he encourages them here. He says, I will be with you even until the end of the age. So Jesus is saying, man, go make disciples. I'm gonna be with you. So you have nothing to fear. So this is the last thing he said. And then he ascended into heaven, right? He left the disciples there and said, you know, my spirit's gonna come and he's gonna show you the way. So from there, what does that look like? How can we do that? Yeah, that's, that's a pretty intimidating task that we're called to do as followers of Jesus. So today we're gonna walk through some of the ways that Paul approached talking to God and talking to people. Okay, so if we're going to talk the talk, we're also gonna to need to walk the walk. So remember that today. That's kind of the, the main focus today is if we're going to talk the talk, we're going to need to walk the walk as well. Because those who talk with God will talk with people. Okay, so if we talk with God, man, we're gonna be drawn to talk with people from the overflow of what God is doing in our lives. So that leads us to our scripture today. And we're gonna be in Colossians chapter four, verses two through six. So if you have your Bible with you, uh, would you pull that out? Or if you have the City Church Lubbock app, uh, you can pull that and we'll have the scriptures on there. We'll have fill in the blank things for you to follow along with us. Um, but yeah, so even before we get going on this, uh, I kinda wanna jump in at the very start of uh, verse two. It says, devote yourselves to prayer. So we're just gonna be obedient to scripture right now. And we're just gonna start off by praying. We're gonna pray and ask God to speak to us today. We're gonna ask him to move in our hearts through the reading and the, the speaking of the word. So would you join me right where you are? Father, thank you so much, Lord. Lord, thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to have your word here before us, God. Father, we're not in the midst of persecution, but Lord, we can open it freely and, and literally we read the words of God. Father, the God-breathed words that you've given us through the Bible and through the work of the Spirit, God, and your disciples. So, Father, we just open this up and we, we come before you humbly asking that you would speak to us. God, we're asking that you would teach us today. God, we're asking that you would lead us to be men and women who are devoted to Jesus. So, Father, we thank you so much. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Colossians 4, starting in verse 2. It says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ, the gospel. So this is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I'll proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everybody. So verse two, we're gonna swing back around, devote yourselves to prayer. So we're gonna start by talking to God, right? Because remember, if you talk to God, we're gonna, you can talk with people as well. And it starts with prayer, devoting yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So Paul is encouraging the church here, the Colossians to devote themselves to prayer, okay? He's calling them, he says, if you look at the beginning, even actually at the beginning of Colossians, he starts out this whole book by saying, Man, we always pray for you and we thank God for you. So Paul sees the importance of prayer here. He does that again in many of his other letters that he writes. He, in Philippians and Thessalonians and 2 Timothy, he even writes this. He says, I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. So Paul was a person of prayer. Paul was a person of prayer because he knew that his strength, his spiritual growth, and everything that in between was sustained by prayer. You know, it started by prayer, it was sustained by prayer, and it ends with prayer. And it's kind of cool, as I was thinking about this and reading through this, you know, prayer is almost like a cycle. 
You know, when, when we pray, it starts by our eyes focused upwards towards God, right? We take our needs to him, we, we, we thank him, all these things, it's focused up towards God. And in that, on the other side, God is moving through our prayers. Whether we see them immediately or not, he hears us. I mean, he knows what we're gonna ask before we even ask him. So he's moving on the other side of our prayers. Thus, it comes right back up in thanksgiving, right? We see him moving in our lives, so we give thanks. So it's just right back up to God. Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, thank you for hearing our prayers. So it's like a cycle here. And we see that prayer and thanksgiving, they can never be disassociated or separated from each other in the Christian life. Prayer and thanksgiving go hand in hand when we follow Jesus. So Paul quotes in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. He says this, he says, always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. In another version of this, he even says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. So you might be saying, all right, Jacob, <laughs> like, I understand what you're saying here, but man, I run out of stuff to pray about in the first five minutes. Like how in the world am I supposed to pray day and night, night and day? I got to sleep. I like my sleep, right? I, I gotta rest, I have a family, I have a job I gotta tend to. Am I supposed to just be in prayer, constantly voicing them to God? Like, I can't neglect that, right? I gotta take my naps, like what, what's happening here? But the thing is, I think what Paul's saying is, no, like you don't need to be constantly vo voicing your prayers out loud, but he's calling us to live a lifestyle of prayer. You see, a lifestyle that reflects prayer. And how do we do that? He says, be alert, right? Be alert and aware of the things that are going on around you, how God is moving in and through the people around you. You see, having a God consciousness, being on mission, being on mission, being kingdom focused, asking God to help us be aware of what's happening. And some examples of that, I mean, it could be simply as maybe you see a homeless person on the side of the road. And, and as you're praying and you're asking God to speak, you know, you're asking him to help, help you have that God consciousness to be in that place of prayer, Maybe you just feel led to pray for that person. You know, maybe, maybe it is physically get off and go pray for him. Maybe it's just, just keep driving, but you voice a prayer for them, lifting them up because you just, you're in that, you're ready, you know, you're ready to pray. Maybe it's someone in your life. Maybe they're going through a stressful time right now. Maybe they're going through a hard time. Maybe they, they're isolating and, and you see that, but you don't really know how to, how to engage that opportunity. Maybe you start with prayer having that lifestyle of prayer, asking, them, asking the Lord, how can, I, how can I serve this person? How can I serve my, my mom or my cousin who is in this tough place? How can I love on them well? Being, having that God consciousness ready whenever the Lord calls you. It, it's simple, it's as simple as that, just asking God and he's gonna lead you. So devote yourselves to prayer and be alert. A lifestyle of prayer is what God is calling us to as believers in Jesus. So follow me on to verse three now. It says, pray for us to speak that, sorry, pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. This is why I am here in chains. So Paul, he turns from prayer, which is speech directed to God, right? So he takes it speech directed to God to the proclamation of the gospel, which is speech directed to people, okay? He's, he's asking God, Lord, you know, lead us, help us to be devoted. Now, Lord, give us opportunities, okay? So having challenged and encouraged, encouraged the Colossians to pray, he gives them a specific request. And he says, pray for us as well. Pray for me, pray for the rest of the disciples that we may have opportunities to share about Jesus. So again, it starts with talking to God and going to talking with people, right? 
So, yeah, Paul is asking them, man, keep praying, keep asking. And you see, we see in Acts chapter three, I mean, even the apostles, they faced many of this. You know, they, they prayed and asked for opportunities. And we see that they, they were before these religious leaders in Acts three. And they were telling them, you know, you can, you can leave here. They were kind of taking them, like asking them questions, you know, running them through some trials. And, and uh, they said, you can leave from here freely, but do not proclaim or speak in the name of Jesus anymore. Do not teach in the name of Jesus. And the disciples left. And they were like, man, who are we to obey? Are we to obey God or man? And they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. They left rejoicing for that, right? So they left and they said, we can't help but speak of what we have seen and heard in Jesus. So they left. They're like, man, we can't help it. (laughs) Who are we going to obey? You or Jesus? You know, so we're going to obey what we've seen because we've seen Christ rise from the grave. So simply when it comes down to it, when it comes down to speaking the gospel, it's a matter of obedience and disobedience. That's what it comes down to. It's a matter of, are we going to share it or are we not going to share it? And I say this, and I'm probably going to say this multiple times today, but as as I was preparing for this message, God was, man, he was sticking that dagger in my heart. There was so much happening. I was being convicted of areas because when I look at this, when I look at obedience and disobedience, I land on the side of disobedience more often than not. You know, there are times where God presents opportunities, but I'm kind of in my own zone or I'm not really feeling it that day. And, and I land in that place. So I fall short of this daily, but, but we don't need to stay there. You see, what I've learned is conviction is not there just so we can feel bad about ourselves, right? Conviction is from the Lord, not condemnation. Condemnation is from the enemy, but conviction leads us to change. So in these areas, we don't stop there at, man, I should have done this, but we say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me to have a desire to love those and to to love people and to love God. Change my heart, God. Help me where I am disobedient, Father. I want to follow you. So some questions I want to ask is, or some questions that, you know, I was even asking myself was, how often do I actually pray for opportunities, right? How often do I actually say, okay, Lord, I wake up in the morning, Lord, give me opportunities to speak with people today. Give me opportunities to, to lead others in your word. I don't know, encourage someone today. How often do I actually do that? And, and I'd be lying to you if I said I woke up every morning and I did that. No, it, it's, it's something that God is walking me through. And I believe he can walk you through as well as we are willing to be used by him. You know, and if I'm not praying and asking that for myself, I'm surely not asking others like Paul did to pray that God would give me opportunities as well. Right? So, so it's just a willingness of asking the Lord and being ready and willing to move for him. So on the flip side, you know, when I do ask for prayer, am, am I only asking for my own needs? Am I only asking about myself? You know, how often am I asking others, hey, how can I pray for you today? How often am I texting people simply just, hey, how can I pray for you? You see, because if we're going to be people and disciples, Christians on mission, you know, we, we need to be focused on eternity. We need to be focused on the things that, bre- that breaks God's heart. And that's his people who are hurting. That's his people who are in need. So we need to be the hands and feet of Christ. We are called to do that as disciples of Jesus. And again, I, I've learned through prayer that whatever you pray for, your heart is going to tend to grow that direction. You see, if you, if you pray for the nations, you're going to start growing a heart for the nations. If you pray for prayer, I mean, that's a real thing. Lord, help me to pray, right? You're going to grow a heart for prayer. If we grow a heart and we pray to be on mission, God is going to begin to grow our hearts 
in that area as well, to be on mission for his people. That's amazing. It's amazing the work that God can do whenever we focus on him, when we talk to him, he builds it within us, the confidence to talk with people. So it's not about what you can do or what you can't do. It's what God can do through you and a willingness that you lay before him. So man, God is awesome. <laughs> so yeah, Paul is focused on the mission. And in this mission, as, as, as I'm talking about, you know, being mission focused, uh, I just want to share a short story with y'all. Uh, so this past week, it, it's actually been a, a pretty tough week for myself and my family. Um, we, we lost our great grandmother. Uh, she lived 102 years old. Uh, she, she lived a long, fulfilling, amazing life. Um, she's only the, the second person that I've lost in my life uh, that I've known that I've been close to. But man, death is never easy, y'all. When you lose someone, it, it's sobering almost. And that's what the Lord was teaching me through this. He was reminding me, Jacob, man, life is short. We, we don't know when the Lord is gonna call us back. Literally the only reason that I am standing here today and I'm not falling over in the next minute is because of the grace of God, right? We're not promised to leave this place. We're not promised another moment. So in that, man, I just, the Lord was stirring in me. He was reminding me of scriptures of, of how, I think in Proverbs it says, you know, a wise man thinks a lot about death. Well, why would you, why, how does that make you wise if you think a lot about death? Doesn't that make you kind of dark or, no, because I think it's saying because they know that this life does come to an end. So don't hold too tightly to what you have here. Don't hold too tightly to what you have earned in your life or, you know, these, these areas that you've excelled in, which they're great. They're good. God cares for that. But man, when we go home to Jesus, right, we're not taking any of those things with us. So he was reminding me of that. He was reminding me that our life is but a breath. You know, imagine like when it's cold outside and you breathe, you can see your air, you can see your breath there for a second, but then it's gone. Scripture says that's what life is like. It's here one moment, then it's gone the next. You see, and with my grandmother, I, I believe in my heart that, that she had a relationship with Jesus. So, so we, we were able to grieve in hope, right? We were able to grieve in hope and knowing that she is with the Lord right now. She is rejoicing. She's not hurting anymore. She is in no pain. But then on the flip side of that, but what if she wasn't? What if she didn't know the Lord? What if she didn't have that relationship with him? You know, so many questions started coming up there, you know, and even asking like for you, like how many people in your life do you know that aren't walking with Jesus? How many, I mean, think of their faces, right? Not that they're in their names, but there are people in our lives that we love that love so dearly that we know aren't walking with Jesus. What are we doing about that? You know, we have this gift, this gift inside of us, the gospel, we've been given salvation and it's not for us to hold on to like it's only ours, right? No, we're supposed to go and share the name of Jesus. We're supposed to share the gospel with others because it's life giving. The only reason we're here is because of Jesus. So we're called to extend that as well. It's not ours to keep for ourselves, but to give freely just as the Lord did. So that leads to some questions. It's like, well, what if? I don't wanna be left in that what if situation or I should have said this, right? I should have taken that opportunity and, and shared with them here. I should have been praying for them more. I should have, I should have, I should have. We don't want to be stuck in that place as believers, but we want to make sure. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord. 
You know, if you were to die today and, and you were to stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you in today? How would you answer that? Honestly, though, like, how, how would you answer that question? You know, maybe it's, well, I've been, I've been a good person, you know. I haven't, I haven't really been that bad of a guy or that bad of a woman. Like I've, I've been good. I'm not as bad as, you know, this over here or that over there. But you know, scripture says in Romans nine that there's not one good person. No, not one. Nobody is good. There's no such thing as a good person. We are all sinful, every single one of us, myself included. We've all fallen short of the standard of, of heaven, of this perfect, righteous, glorious God. His standard for heaven is perfection, moral perfection. That's the standard. And I don't know about you, but this week, I mean, I've, <laughs> I've messed up so many times. Like I have fallen short of that every day. So it's not by works that we, that we come to know Jesus. It's in Ephesians 2, it says that we are not saved by our works, but it's by faith and faith alone in Christ. If we were saved by our works, it says then we could boast about it, right? They say, look what I did. Like, look, look how good I am, right? This is why I'm here. But no, he says, not one is good. Only by faith in Jesus and through Jesus can we be saved. And you see, that's only because Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus was the visible image of the invisible God. He came and dwelt among us. He lived this perfect life, sinless and perfect obedience to the Lord. Okay, he lived this life, yet he died a sinner's death. That's, that's where we deserve to be. We deserve to be on that cross, but Christ lived this life and he offered himself as a sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for us. He said, none come to the Father unless they go through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way. Not this way plus Jesus, not works plus Jesus, it's Jesus and him alone. You see, he was beaten, he was mocked, he was torn to pieces you know, at, from these religious leaders who falsely accused him of things that he wasn't doing. He was taken captive. They put a, a crown of thorns on his head. They wedged it on, they mocked him. They said, here he is, the king of the Jews, the king of Israel, let's praise him. And they made him carry this tree, this cross on his shoulders up a hill. And at the top of that hill, he was later hung on that cross. He was nailed to the cross, nails in his hands, nails in his feet. And as he hung there, these men who were there guarding him were mocking him saying, you, you claim to be the savior of Israel. Why don't you save yourself? If you claim to be the savior, why don't you save yourself? And you want to know what Jesus' response was? He said, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. Even on the cross when he was being mocked, he was extending forgiveness and grace and love. And even in that moment, there were people, there were some other uh, prisoners that were sit beside Jesus on a cross. And one mocked him and the other said, Lord, remember me when you go into paradise. And even there at the end of his life, this man who was a murderer said, Lord, remember me when you go into paradise. Jesus said, you know, today you will be with me there. It's never too late. It's never too late to cry out to the Lord, to ask him to be your savior, to, to give your life completely to him, 100%. That's what he calls for. He doesn't want this half-hearted thing where, oh, well, I see the chair there and, and that's where the safety is, right? That's where I can find this security, but I'm just gonna look at it. 
you know, it's a nice chair, but no, he wants us to put our weight on that. He wants us to surrender ourselves and sit down and receive the gift that he's given us. It's simple. In Romans 10, he says, if you believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead on the third day, you will be saved. It's a matter of the heart, y'all. It's not by works. So if you haven't made that decision today, I wanna encourage you, do it today because we are not promised another second on this earth. And if you have had a relationship with Jesus and maybe you've fallen away, maybe you've kind of strayed back, maybe things in life have really beat you down, they've torn you apart, you feel broken. You don't feel like you can take another step. I wanna encourage you today that you are not too far gone. God is not upset or tired of hearing your cries to him. He is not annoyed by you. Thinking of the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son, this man went and threw away all of his, all of his riches. He threw away his inheritance, right? He was eaten from troughs of pigs. Like he was eating all of these things, throwing his pearls to the pigs. But yet when he came back to his father, he replied to his dad, he said, Father, forgive me, I am not worthy to be called your son. And what did the father say there? He said, son, like my son has returned. He was there with open arms. He didn't condemn him or make him go work in the field, you know, to repay his debt. He said, come in, we're gonna throw a party. We're gonna slaughter the fattened calf. We're gonna, we're gonna have a feast. He threw a cloak over his shoulders and he brought him home. So if you've fallen away, today is the day to come back to the Lord. Cry out to him. He's there with open arms. He loves you today. So man, for all of us here, we need to pray that God would break our hearts. Let that be our prayer today. God, break my heart. Lord, lead my heart. Help my heart to be broken for those who don't know you, who are not following you, who are not walking with you, Jesus. Help me to get out of my comfort zone for the sake of your name for the sake of eternity, right? Because that's what we're fighting for here. It's not the moment here and now, but eternities are at stake. So Jesus, help us. I mean, there are even people dying in the world today for their faith in Jesus. There are people being persecuted today, modern day today, for proclaiming the name of Jesus. So really the only thing standing in our way is us. That's the only thing. It's a matter of obedience and disobedience. So God, help us, help us to step out. So Paul's conviction to share the gospel, the life-giving gospel was deep within his heart. It was evident through the way that he spoke and through, through the way that he wrote these letters. It was evident that it was deep in his heart. He loved people and he loved God. He even writes this in 1 Corinthians 9, 16. He says this, I am compelled by God to do it. He says how terrible it is if I do not preach the good news. So in this, the, the word compelled really stuck out to me and I looked up the definition and this is it. Compelled, it says to drive or urge forcefully or irresistibly. So Paul's desire to share the gospel was driven. It was an urge, it was irresistible to him. He could not go without sharing the gospel of Jesus. How terrible it is. I don't know if I've ever said that, how terrible it is for me if I don't share the gospel of Jesus. But Paul, I believe, man, he had this burden because he was focused on the mission. 
Now, Paul's writing this in prison. Now, this is why I'm in prison, he said, because of the gospel. See, his drive was so deep, he, he wasn't really, he didn't pray for protection, right? He could have prayed, y'all pray for protection in here while I'm, while I'm in prison. He, could have, he didn't say, hey, pray for my, my freedom. Pray that I get released from prison. He didn't pray that. That blows my mind, right? He didn't pray, God, let me go from prison. He said, Lord, give me more opportunities. So despite his circumstances, despite where he was, man, he used everything the Lord gave him in those moments. In season, out of season, preach the word of God. And that's what Paul did. So some questions here. You know, are we, are we praying for opportunities that could change someone's eternity? Are we? Are, are we praying for opportunities that would change someone's eternity? Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to be used by the Lord? Because he can do so much through a heart that is willing, y'all. He can do so much more than you could ever think or imagine through a heart that is just willing. He isn't called a qualified, but he qualifies those that he has called, right? So if he's called you, he qualifies you along the way. So don't be discouraged if you don't know what A, B, C, D looks like, you know, when you only see D you know, or E over here. Trust the Lord. He's going to equip you along the way as you go. So, yeah, if we're praying and asking, we should know that when those opportunities do come, we know that God's working in it. If we're actively asking for opportunities and they do come, we can have a confidence there. It's like, hey, I've been praying about this. Now here it is. I can step into this because you're not doing it alone. And sometimes when we pray for opportunities, I mean, they're already around us. God just gives us eyes to see it. Guarantee you there's so many people around you that, that need to know the name of Jesus, that need to know the love of Jesus. We just have to have eyes to see. Are we willing? It starts by talking to God and then comes talking with people. And we're gonna talk more about talking with people here in verse four. It says, pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. So the disciples in Acts chapter four, they prayed, they, they actually asked the Lord, hey, Lord, fill, fill us with your spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we can proclaim the gospel with boldness. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So again, talking with God, asking him to fill us and he will lead you as you need to go. The Lord will give you the words to say within the hour. He will give you the boldness by the power of his Holy Spirit. You know, I feel like this is a huge strategy of the enemy. And, and I say this because, I mean, I, I, fall, I fall down to this too. It's fear, right? The enemy uses fear against us. I mean, whenever you're challenged with, with maybe, maybe I should go pray for that person. I'm praying for opportunities, but what if I don't know what to say? What if they ask me a question? What if they ask me, well, why does this happen in the world? Why does God allow this to happen? What, what if they start asking me all these different questions and I don't know what it is? I don't know the Bible like the back of my hand, right? Like, how am I supposed to do this? And the enemy uses fear. And you see, what I said there at the start was the Lord will give you what to say in the hour. That's actually scripture. That's here in Luke 12, 12. It says this, for the Holy Spirit, and this is Jesus. He says, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what needs to be said. Jesus is telling his disciples kind of some context behind the scripture you know, he was saying, if you acknowledge me before man, I will acknowledge you before my father. But if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my father. 
And the disciples were going on saying, like, or Jesus was telling them, man, whenever they come against you, because they will, whenever they threaten to throw you in jail, whenever they threaten to throw you and cast you away, whenever they come against you in my name, he says this, do not worry about what you're going to say for the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what you need to say. So if you find yourself in that place of fear, just know we've been given scripture as the sword of the spirit. In Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God, okay, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word. So everything that the enemy throws against us, everything that the world throws against us, we put to death by the word of God. So when fear comes, if, if you're going to memorize any scripture, I want to encourage you, remember uh, Luke 12, 12. Memorize this one. Put that fear to death and know that the Holy Spirit is going to give you what you need to say in the moment. So there's nothing really standing in our way. Because if we, if we believe that the word of God is the literal word, God breathed the word of God. We can trust in this, right? We can trust in these words because God has given them to us. So Lord, help us. Help us to be bold. Give us boldness today, Lord, to speak. And now we're going on to verse five and six. And so we've been talking with God, talking with people. Now we're moving to walking the walk and not just talking the talk, right? We're moving to walking the walk. So starting in verse five, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. You see, we win people over through gentleness and humility when we live our lives for Jesus. It's through serving people. It's through loving the way Jesus loved. It's through humbling ourselves before God and allowing him to move through us. That's how people are drawn towards us. They see Jesus in us, right? Because those are characteristics of Jesus. That's my, I mean, that's my prayer. Lord, Lord, let me, let me be nothing. Lord, let it be you, Jesus, that people see. Because when they see Jacob, man, there's all kinds of messed up things there. And there's so many things that come out of my mouth that don't need to be said. But Lord, would you be the light that shines out of me? It's through gentleness and humility that draw others to Christ. So as we walk the walk and talk the talk, let it be salted in grace and truth. Right? Let it be a fragrance of life and not of death. Let us speak life into people. Let us not tear them down. Let us be men and women who extend grace, even when it's not, I mean, we don't feel like it should be there. We're called to do that. You see, the Lord has put you in your workplace in the place of, you know, letting your conversations be gracious, the way that we walk, the way that we talk. The Lord has put you in your workplace and your spheres of influence around your group of friends for a reason. That's no coincidence there. God has you where you are for a specific reason, and that's to be a light in the middle of the dark, to be a city on the hilltop for all to see. You see, people are always watching you whether, you, whether you know that or not, especially if you're a Christian. People are always watching how you carry yourself, how you, you know, I don't know, conduct your speech around others, whether they're believers or not. You know, does your, does your walk match your talk? And does your talk match your walk, right? Goes back and forth there. So let us live wisely in our places of influence. Let us be peacemakers, like it says in Matthew 5. Let us be slow to speak and slow to speak and slow to get angry and quick to listen. Help us to be a light, Father. Help us to be your hands and feet. 
So short story here. Um, so I worked in construction for about six years before I was in ministry. And when I first started in construction, uh, I was a fairly new believer. You know, I was maybe a few months in or so. And so I was just learning all these things. God was moving in my heart. I was kind of wrestling with some stuff in my own life, some, st- some sin, trying to put it to death through the work of the Spirit. Man, God was doing a lot. But in this place, because I was open about my faith, because I shared that I was a follower of Jesus and I was trying to live it out, I was mocked severely. Y'all, I was called all kinds of names, names I, I, I cannot say here because it was so bad. I mean, they would tear me down because I was not willing to join them in the conversations that they were having. They would tear me down. They would purposely set conversations up, trying to drag me in, trying to make me fall into whether it's frustration or anger, whatever that is, you know, the, they were trying to draw me back into that. And I'd be lying if I said that I did it perfectly because I mean, I got frustrated. I got angry. I let them get to me. I let words come out of my mouth that shouldn't have come out of my mouth. You see, but by the grace of God, he was working all those things, even for the good, when I didn't see it then. You see, even at one point, there was a gentleman who, who grabbed this tool and it almost looked like a, a cross. And he put it over his shoulder and he started walking. He said, Jacob, who am I? And started walking with it. He said, who am I, Jacob? And again, by the grace of God, he held my tongue there. (laughs) He held my tongue. But you see, by the way that I conducted myself, by the way that I let my words flow, even in the middle of messing up, God's grace is sufficient in that. Because these men who were mocking me, these same men who were acting out, mocking Christ, what happened whenever they went through trials? What happened when, whenever a family member came into sickness? They came and asked for prayer. They came and asked for prayer, not because of me, who's Jacob, but because they saw Jesus in me. It's because they saw that my talk matched the way that I was walking. They saw that I was serious about this. So they came and they asked for prayer. They started asking questions about the Bible. And even when I didn't know their answers to the questions in the Bible, I said, man, that's a, that's a good question. You should go, and go, go home and look that up. I'm gonna go home and look it up too. And let's come back tomorrow and let's talk about this. You see, in Genesis 50, 20, it says this, what the enemy intended for evil, God intends for good. So even in the middle of suffering or persecution or mocking, just know people are watching and people are gonna see how you react and God is gonna provide opportunities even when we fall. But when we focus on him, he's gonna draw the people in. So let's be a light. Let's be a light in our workplaces, at our homes and our families. John MacArthur says this, says it is only through walking in wisdom that believers' words will mean anything, anything. The early church had none of the modern means of advertising the gospel, such as the TV or or radio tracks, books, magazines, bumper stickers, and fewer scandals and hypocrites. Yet by living out the truth of the gospel in their personal and corporate lives, 
they turn the world upside down. May that be said of us. Church, that is my prayer, that that would be said of us today. That by walking wisely among those who do not know Jesus, by loving them as Christ has loved us, because we didn't deserve it, right? We, we don't have this platform to stand on like, oh, I've never been there before. No, every single one of us, if you're a Christ follower, you've been broken, you are broken, but Jesus has made you whole and he has called you to himself so you've experienced the grace of God. So we are called to extend that to others as well in love. So would that be true of us today? So the big idea, talk the talk and walk the walk. That's the big idea today. Let our talk match our walk as we live our lives for Jesus. So in that, I wanna give us some challenges. So a gospel-centered life begins and ends with prayer. And that looks like praying for a burden, right? Start there, pray for a burden. God, burden my heart for your people. Burden my heart for those who don't know you, Jesus. Help me to break my heart for the things that break yours, Lord. We need your help in this. Secondly is pray for an opportunity. Pray for opportunities, y'all. Ask God, Lord, give me opportunities to share with people today. Help me to love people like you have loved me and that you love others, God. Give me opportunities to get out of my comfort zone. Help me, God. Give me an opportunity. And last, pray for the words. He's gonna give you the words, y'all. When you pray and when you ask him, he's gonna provide as you need. And man, maybe, I mean, we're giving these, these, these challenges, but something I wanna encourage you with and is not to just live out these challenges throughout this week, right? Until we come back next week and hear another encouraging message on, on some other things that we should do. These are things that we can live out the rest of our lives. This is not a one time a week thing or, you know, on a Sunday thing or, you know, maybe a Monday until Tuesday and then Wednesday things are kind of hard. So I'm just, no, y'all, this is a, a daily thing that we're called to do as disciples of Jesus. Die to ourselves and live for Christ. Less of us and more of him, right? So I challenge you, let this be a prayer that you pray every day. Burden us, give us opportunities and give us the words to be obedient to what you've called us to do, Jesus. And maybe you're like, man, I don't even know how to pray. First of all, Jacob, so how am I supposed to pray for that? I don't, I don't really feel comfortable praying and, and that's okay. You see, we have every Wednesday night at 6.30 to 7.30, we have our prayer gathering, our corporate prayer gathering here in this room called City Nights. And here we just gather together. There's no pressure to pray out loud or pressure to pray for someone, but we have people up here who are directing and kind of guiding that time of prayer. And it's in those moments where we practice talking to God, he teaches us what it's like to pray. He teaches us as we speak, because if we're gonna pray, if we're gonna talk to God, then we're gonna talk to people. So I'll leave that with y'all today, church. Man, I'm super encouraged and just pumped up to see what God's gonna do. I know that he's gonna stir people up as we ask for opportunities and there's only good that can come from that. So would you join me in prayer as we close out here? Father, thank you so much, Father, for your goodness. Lord, thank you, Jesus, that you see us in the middle of our weakness. You see us in the middle of the areas where we fall short every single day. 
But you say in scripture, in our weakness, God, your power is made perfect. So we give you everything. We give you our lives today. We give you our hearts. God, we surrender. We just ask for you to move. We wanna see your kingdom come. We wanna see your will be done, Father, on earth as it is in heaven. So Lord, would you move mightily amongst our hearts and teach us to obey and walk in the things you've called us to do, and that's make disciples. Give us the boldness, Lord. Help us to talk with you and talk with people. We thank you, Lord. And we pray this in the name of Jesus.